Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcroft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 103.9 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Friday evening where we are set to continue our reflections into these Catholic musings as I have tagged this Friday evening and as I have been doing each Friday evening, responding to your questions as well. And uh, this week, someone pulled me aside and asked me a very important question. You know, from one week to the next, we talk about St. Paul a great deal, right? Constantly quoting his corpus of books. Um, And on one hand, yeah, as I do that, I'm touching upon his central teachings. But the question was posed to me this week, Joe, what is the most important aspect, theme, topic that runs through St. Paul's corpus of teachings? in his corpus of books, and I thought, you know, that's a great question. And I'll be honest with you, if you were to ask me that question uh, maybe 15 years ago, I probably would have focused on the idea of new creation, and certainly that is a huge theme. I might have focused on the theme of justification and works, and I know for our listening audience here in Northern California, that is a huge theme. And, And from becoming a new creation in Christ, as we will talk about in our principal subject matter tonight, to justification and works. Yeah, these are important themes. But after reading uh, more of Benedict XVI and spending more time with St. Paul, doing a study here on his two letters to Corinth, I am convinced, (laughs) um, and it would be hard to convince me otherwise, that really what lies at the core of St. Paul's teaching is the cross. Why do I say that? Because he himself really said it, huh? I preach Christ, no Christ crucified. So if we're going to really get at the heart of of that question, we really do need to look at the cross. And I want to do this with Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI. In his own words, he says, In the personal experience of St. Paul is an incontrovertible fact. While he was at first a persecutor and, uh, and perpetrated violence against Christians, from the moment of his conversion on the road to Damascus, he switched to the side of the crucified Christ, making Christ his reason for his preaching. That is Christ crucified. My dear friends, St. Paul's life was a life neither quiet nor free from dangers and difficulties. But as he reminds us in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 15, spent entirely for souls. In his encounter with our Lord, the central significance was quite simply the cross. And he makes this clear. He understood that Jesus had died and rose for all, and for himself. And really for St. Paul, both of these things were very important. Very important. Jesus 
really died for all. And Jesus then really died for you and for me. Thus, God's freely given and merciful love has to consider what? But the instrument by which all of this is made possible, the cross. So we can talk about justification and works. We can talk about the new creation, but you can't talk about them well if you don't talk about the cross, which Paul himself, again, experienced personally. Day after day in his new life, he experienced that salvation, which he would call a grace by virtue of the power of the cross. Everything flowed to and from the cross. So as Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI reminds us then, for St. Paul, the cross has a fundamental primacy in the history of humanity. He goes on, it represents the focal point of his theology because to say the cross is to say salvation as grace given to every creature. There you have it. I love that. To say the cross is to say Salvation as grace given to every creature. So the topic of the cross of Christ in his corpus becomes the quintessential, the primary element of his, of his preaching. And of course, the clearest example of this comes to us from his letters to the church of Corinth, as I hinted at earlier, facing a church in which disorder and scandal were disturbingly present. We have to situate ourselves, my friends, when we read these epistles. There was a great deal of disorder. There was a great deal of scandal. There was a great deal of misinterpretation. There was a great deal of heresy, I dare say, where ultimately communion was threatened by internal factions and, and ruptures which damaged the unity of the, of the body of Christ. What did Paul do? How did Paul present the faith? with sublime words and and phrases? No. But the wisdom incarnate in Christ crucified. You see, his strength is not in the use of persuasive language per se, but paradoxically in the weakness and trepidation of those who entrust themselves solely to the power of God. What does he say in his opening letter, in his opening chapter, in verses 18 to 23? For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. But here you have it. We preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. You know, the stumbling block and folly of the cross lies in the very fact that where there seems to be nothing but failure, where there seems to be nothing but sorrow, where there seems to be nothing but defeat, there is the full power of God's boundless love. For the cross is an expression of love, and love is the true power that is revealed precisely in this seeming weakness. Benedict. The 16th, he says, for the Jews 
The cross is scandalon, that is, a snare or a stumbling block. He goes on, it seems to hinder the faith of the devout Israelite who finds it difficult to discover, uh, to discover anything like that in sacred scriptures. But why, my friends, as Benedict XVI asks, did St. Paul make precisely this, the word of the cross, the fundamental core of his teaching? Well, again, the cross reveals the power of God. And this, my friends, is different from human power because it is what reveals divine love. You've heard me speak to this before. In the cross, we have the mathematics of God, the the spiritual physics of God. Where there is loss, there is gain. Where there is a negative, there is a positive. Where there is death, there is life. All of this proves that overarching point spiritual reality to the spiritual physics of God that when we are down to nothing, God is up to something, and that something is salvation, the salvation of you and I. As we work that out in fear and trembling, as he reminds us in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, the crucified one reveals on the one hand man's frailty, and on the other, emeritus benedict the 16th states emphatically the true power of God. Staying with his epistles to the church of Corinth, what might be the most important truth? 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therein lies that deeper truth in the spiritual physics of God. All right, I responded to the question about what lies at the heart of St. Paul's corpus. Let us take a peek at another aspect of his corpus. And as I've been doing on this Friday evening, looking at some aspect of what we do in our regular routine and and how what we do might open us up to better understand a a deeper spiritual truth, Um, let me ask you a question. How many of us woke up this morning and without giving it much thought, got dressed. How many of us woke up this morning and with great care went through our wardrobe to pick out maybe a matching pair of clothes or, or an outfit that was our Sunday best? How many of us go shopping and when we pick out our clothes, make a point to be sure that they fit just right? Whether or not we invest a lot of money and time in the clothes we buy and wear, What we all have in common, my friends, is that dressing ourselves in the morning is just what we do. I think St. Paul had this in mind when describing what our relationship with Jesus Christ ought to look like. What do I mean? Well, among other things, the Christian vision of prayer is a daily courtship with God. We talk about this a lot. And in this conversation, what we talk about a lot is how we are called to invest ourselves with the cloth of Christ each and every day. In the light of this, it should come to no surprise that St. Paul is very intentional in his use of the phrase, put on the new man, that comes to us from Colossians chapter 3, verse 10. The Greek for put on is enduo. It literally translates as 
to put on as in clothing, or to sink into clothing, or to array yourself in cloth. Historically speaking, St. Paul is doing what but describing the early liturgical practice where the neophytes would put on a white cloth symbolizing their new purity in Christ. Spiritually speaking, St. Paul challenges us to put on the pure garment of the new man in virtue and put away the dark cloth of the old man in sin. In other words, my friends, like you would as if you were getting dressed each and every day, St. Paul challenges us to dress ourselves with the cloth of Christ, the garment of virtue. Collectively, putting on the new man was a very important phrase for St. Paul, especially a phrase he would employ when he wanted to challenge the early Christian faithful to live out their baptismal call to purity and holiness in Christ. We see St. Paul draw this out in his treatment of law and relationship. St. Paul points out that the old covenant law of circumcision is transformed by Christ in the new covenant law of baptism. This new law is the genesis of a a new way of life. Consequently, the new man, created in the image and likeness of God, has the very specific call to put on the armor of light. In the Lord Jesus Christ, as Paul says in Romans chapter 13, verses 12 to 14. And we do this with a sense of urgency, as Satan tries to lure us with, with the enticements of the flesh. In this sense, my friends, as St. Paul would remind us, the putting on Christ is the putting on of incorruption. Imagine the day when you wake up and and dressing yourselves with prayer and invocation to God is the first thing you do. Let that imagination be tomorrow morning. St. Paul is exhorting us to see that we have this call to dress ourselves in Christ with great care, mindful that really our Sunday best is every day in the Christian journey of faith. So here again, my friends, I put to you this challenge in this Friday Catholic musing as we seek to have this dialogue, just not with the culture, but really with what we do every day. These Friday evenings are all about bringing Catholicism into dialogue with the culture, while also into dialogue with what we do every day. The challenge is this. Dress yourself in the garment of virtue, in that cloth of purity and holiness, the garments that bring out just not the color of your eyes, but the interior light within. Amen. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. And God bless you.